Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, well, well. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Whenever you find yourself listening to this, I'm I'm here once again, and welcome back to your National League podcast. Now, if you're watching this, you'll probably see that this looks a little bit different this week. If you're listening to it, you won't know it's different as of yet, but you will right now. This week on the National League podcast, I am joined by no one. It is just me tonight. This is just due to a couple of unforeseen circumstances this week that we've had. I'm you, You're blessed with my dulcet tones for as long as you might find this goes on for, or as short as this might go on for. I really don't know how this is going to go. You might just find me rambling on for an hour. Well, it's not going to be just me rambling on for an hour. Got a couple of little guests lined up who have done me massive, massive favours today to pull through, pull together a couple of clips. These are faces and voices that you will recognise. So I'm not going to hang about and just keep talking and, and introducing this podcast. I'm going to get straight into the action now. I'm not going to cover every single game this week, so apologies if I do miss out your team. I'm coming through this podcast this week, so I've tried to figure, I've tried to put in some of the bigger games that have occurred in the league and games of people who I've been able to get in to provide their comments on the game. Now, what better game to start off with this week than talking about Aldershot versus Eastleigh? Now, the game finished Aldershot 3, Eastleigh 5. Now, for me, that's not the biggest talking point of this game. The biggest point of it is the week that Aldershot have had. What a week this has been for the shots. Now, I think it's fair to say that I've Absolutely nobody seen the result coming that they got in their FA Cup second round replay against Stockport. They put up a great effort at home. They got a, a deserved, deserved replay in this after, I believe, it was a 2 2 draw, which they had. And they went in to Edgeley Park against League Two leaders Stockport. And they beat them 1 0 in the 88th minute. What a story, what a result. This is after, well, this is them now becoming only the second club to better Stockport at home this season. Now, I said a couple of weeks ago when I was on with Aaron and Luke, I said that I really thought that Aldershot were rewarded after absolutely battering Swindon 7-4 with this draw against Stockport. Now, this caused a bit of a debate between us saying, no, it's not. It's, it could be a bit, it could be a bit of a humbling for Aldershot. It's not really a, um, a reward for them because they've played them before in the National League. It would be nice to see them get a tie against a team higher up. But 
against a team who's running rampant at the moment or had been running rampant they were on a 13, 13 game winning run 14 game winning run equaling the league two record I, I think it's a phenomenal tie for them to get and yeah they, they scored late on in the game I think they were the better team throughout so I don't think Stockport looked up to it on that day and Aldershot pulled through a, a huge huge result and I think it's a massive a massive reward for them now they were already they were in the hat. They've been drawn out due to the to the tie that they got in the first round, and I feel once again they have been rewarded with ex Premier League club and Championship playoff side West Bromwich Albion. Now a lot of people would go, oh, it's West Brom, they're a boring, boring club. But for a club like Aldershot, this is a huge tie for them. As I said, ex Premier League club and. A team that is, they are flying quite high. They are flying high in the championship at the moment, finding themselves in the playoffs. And this is this is at the Hawthorns, so it's a great opportunity for Aldershot to take a lot of numbers there. West Brom probably won't sell their full allocation anyway because it's Aldershot, but it's a great chance for West Brom to get through into the the fourth round of the cup and and bring themselves a good tie. But equally, beating teams the caliber that they have, oh, the caliber they have. Swindon, Swindon this season. They can go and win 5 0 one game and then get beat 7 4 by Aldershot another game. They're, they're unpredictable. But overall, they're a high caliber team, and there's not many higher caliber teams in League Two at the moment than Stockport. So they're not going to go into this game against West, West Brom afraid in the slightest. They've got nothing to lose. No one expects Aldershot to win, everyone expects West Brom to win. If they lose, they go out, they've got themselves into the third round of the FA Cup, they've got themselves a really good budget going in, or a really good backing financially to go into next season and build on the great season that they're already having. It's a great reward for them, and hopefully they get a good gate receipt coming back from this, and a replay would be great again if they were able to do it, or or a win to hopefully get themselves a well-deserved fourth-round tie. There's always a lower-league team that, that goes on a little bit of run. Let's hope that Aldershot do the National League a, a bit of a turn and, and represent us really well and and cause another upset to, to get round to a fourth round tie. Now, bring it round three days later. Ay, 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 ay. I think this showed that they put absolutely everything they had into this FA Cup tie. I mean, they went 5-0 down to playoff chat. A team that's not in the playoffs, but they definitely feel like they could be in it and they could they could break their way into the playoffs Eastley, I've got them down here as, I believe, playoff challengers. I've said the other week that I think Eastley will be a team to watch coming through the rest of the season. But yeah, they went 5-0 down within 59 minutes. But, I mean, despite this, all the shot, they showed phenomenal passion. And they, they attempted to come back on this, but they still fell short and lost 3-5 at home. Now, losing 3-5 at home, it's never great, but it's only their second home loss this season. And both of these games, they've managed to score three goals. So they're not an easy team to beat, even when they are up against it in 5-0 down. They'll always look to try and come back. Now, certainly a team that's giving their supporters value for money and especially out of the season tickets that they've bought from them. It was summed up perfectly from a tweet I seen earlier on by a guy called at Harry Jim 8 underscore 
on X. What he said today is like you can't fault the lads today. They tried and all that um they tried and all that tough game next week. We go again. I think it's a great mentality to have. A busy packed festive period, and they've got a back to back coming up as well. So, but as every team does in the National League, we do a back to back on on Christmas Eve. It's not Christmas Eve on Boxing Day and on New Year's Day against the same club. Always one trying to be local to yourself. So, a, a disappointing result for Aldershot after a, a phenomenal win in the FA Cup. However, I, I don't feel the fans should be disappointed by that after a, such a valiant effort midweek. Now. I'm going to move on to the next game, which is Rochdale versus York. I know we're talking a podcast here of me on my own, and I've decided, I said I'm going to pick big games, I've decided to pick a nil-nil, but I have a reason for picking a nil-nil game for this, as I've got a guest lined up to talk about this game. So let's introduce my first guest of the night, who better to talk about a Rochdale game than the lovely Shah. Shah, come in and have a chat. Take it away. Hi everybody, it's Shah here, the Rochdale fan, and I'm going to give you my match analysis and thoughts on the Rochdale-York City game, which, if you are a neutral, it wasn't a thriller, it was a nil-nil draw, but from a Rochdale perspective... It was one of the most frustrating matches that I have been to. We should have 100% won that game. We had a lot of chances that we could have scored. We just are really lacking up front at the minute. I don't know if it's obviously a confidence thing as well. We are missing Kean Hayes, who has gone back to Fleetwood after his loan spell. So frustrating now that they did recall him because he's not been playing for him. He's been an unused sub on the bench, so... I'm sad about that, really sad. Um, Devante Rodney pulled his hamstring in training just to add to our injury crisis. Kyron Mitchell's obviously out for two months as well with an ankle injury, so... Yeah, he's our leading scorer too, which is even worse. But, oh yeah, really frustrating. We have had to rely on Ian, Ian Henderson as well, which he does get your goals, but he's not getting any younger now. His legs aren't as good they used to be he's not really got the pace anymore so it is frustrating that he's having to play for us every game and Jim McNulty also mentioned that he didn't expect for him to have to play so many games so hats off to Ian Henderson for obviously trying his best and he did get the ball in the back of the net which was given offside so frustrating um very tight angle as well very tight um I still don't think it was offside but it's what it is, very tight, but annoying. <laughs> and Tyree Sinclair's back, which was good. But I feel like he's had to come back and he's had to be rushed due to our injury crisis. We've got a Chegg Bloom as well who's playing um, on the other wing. And I just feel like we are missing Cairo Mitchell massively. Rodney we are as well, but obviously he's had some difficulties throughout the season, so we've not really seen much of Devante Rodney, but Cairo Mitchell is just a massive, massive loss for us. During the game as well, Adam Clayton, it has been honestly such a rock in midfield and just the experience that we've needed and we've been crying out for for a long time. He went off injured as well, so I feel like... 
we've just got back to add to our list and I don't want to sit here and be all doom and gloom because it's football every team and every football fan you talk to do have injuries but I feel like at the minute with the squad that we do have and the squad depth that we have it is honestly just so frustrating and so annoying because we do not have the biggest of squads we have probably got the smallest squad in the national league and these injuries are just massive players that we do need back ASAP um but just to back onto the game when Adam Clayton went off, um, obviously he's in a midfield three with Ryan East, who's on loan at Bradford, and Harvey Gilmore, and um, Cameron John, who was actually our left back. He got pushed into midfield, and I thought he had an absolutely brilliant game, to be fair, especially in the second half. He was all over the place. He was so attacking. Um, some of the balls he was um, putting through some of the runs he was going on him and Tyree Sinclair link up really really well I know they're good friends off the pitch as well but the relationship on the pitch um, link up really really well so that was really good for us and good to see um, George Never, obviously the young lad um, he is only 17 and he is honestly an absolute rock in defence you would not think he was a 17-year-old. He's so cool, so composed on the ball. And I think he's our next money signing, honestly. I think he's the next, like, Luke Matheson, um, Ethan Briley for us because he's just absolutely outstanding already. And him and Ebanks Landell have been a really good partnership in our defence. He's learning a lot, obviously, from our captain, Ebanks Landell. Um, he has been linked with a move to Crystal Palace in January as well. So I think because we are struggling for finances and we are struggling for funds, he will 100% go in January. Um, from a Rochdale perspective as well, I just feel like Jim McNulty, you can see what he's trying to build here and it was all going well. Um, I think he just needs that investment to take us to the next level, which we are really, really crying out for. Um as I mentioned previously, the squad is just so small. Um, there was rumours of us actually having a takeover, but I think that's fallen through. It's just so frustrating at Dale at the minute, um, off the pitch especially, but on the pitch. Um, you can't fault the players. They're putting their absolute all into it, but I just feel like because they're playing so many games and we've got so many injuries that we are kind of showing that fatigue now which is obviously unfortunate because we were on a good run but I feel like if you gave me this position and said to me we would be just outside the playoffs at the beginning of the season me and any Rochdale fan would have bit your hands off at it so yeah it's it's frustrating with how it's happened but we are doing well and we are overachieving at the minute in my opinion. From a York City point of view um, I actually don't know why they are so low down in the league because they have some really good players and not just first team players, they have some really good squad players as well. Um, some with league experience previously, I know obviously they're older now, but they've got some really good key players there. They played some really good stuff against us and I just don't know if they've been struggling with injuries, whether because they signed so many players, obviously in a transfer window, that they've just not gelled yet. 
I'm not sure, but I just feel like with York, if they can put a run together, they could really like be dangerous because they have got some really good quality about them. And as much as I feel like they did come to defend and they did that really, really well against us, um, they did have some chances as well. And they kept Louis Molden busy, especially towards the end when he pulled off an absolute wonder save and... I don't think he actually knew he did it. He was just there at the right time. Um, but yeah, I feel like with York, if they can obviously kind of build on this and build on this point and they've had a couple of good results as well, hopefully they could push on and um, fight relegation and obviously survive relegation because I think they do have the squad and the players to do that. But all in all, a very frustrating game. I think we should have got the three points. We could have got the three points, but I just think this is us at the minute. And as much as I'm happy in our position that we're in, I just feel like it's going to be a very frustrating time at the minute for us Rochdale fans with the squad depth and just with the injury crisis we do have. And someone, if you do see this, please invest in us. Please, we need it ASAP. Ah, sure. Thank you so, so much for doing that. And do you know what? You mentioned so many parallels there to how I currently feel as as a Hartlepool fan. You hear rumours of investment coming in from America. You hear names being mentioned and a takeover being so close to your own club. And, and to lose that when you believe it's getting closer and closer... We spoke about how it was going to be there, I think, when Char was on last time, and it looks like the car, the rug's been pulled out from underneath their feet again. It just seems to happen and happen and happen with Rochdale. And, yeah, hopefully they do get some investment coming in soon because it's well, well needed with them, as it is at Hartlepool as well at the moment. The two the two clubs relegated from, from League 2, not quite getting off to, to how they really wanted to be. I think both clubs really wanted to be pushing the playoffs to try and get straight back into the league again. Now down to the other end of the table. Now, there's a reason I've picked this game, and you will know why as soon as you hear the two teams that we have chosen. We are back at Dorking to talk about Dorking 1, Woking 2. Now, this is another team, Dorking, coming off the back of a really impressive, I think, cup victory. They had a win of 3-0 in the FA Trophy. Um, and they were really looking to try and convert that to get some well-needed points on the board against another struggling team, Woking. Docking were on 25 points before the game started, Woking on 22. Woking still managerless and on a horrific, horrific run. I think the worst run in the league at the moment with seven losses and the spin, one of those albeit being a cup game. Now, you would have thought with those stats that, that Dorking would have been so, so confident coming into this game. But their worst enemy strikes again, and that is inconsistency. And they just they've, they've failed to get a grip on the game really at any point or failed to really create any chances in this game other than the goal from James McShane bagging his fifth of the season. It's just a real, real struggle for them. Now, I've seen Dorking fans shouting, I believe, white out. Is it justified? Is it not? But it's so difficult when you've got the owner of the club, who's also the manager. Is, is it time 
for him to step aside and bring a manager in that he feels that the fans feel that they feel that the club deserves to continue and solidify their place in the National League because it, it could be at risk that the points are tight at that bottom end of the table and maybe if things don't change at docking, don't find a consistency, they can find themselves in a real, real bit of trouble. On the other side, aside from the win that docking got after that 2-1 win, the good news just kept coming from them. Now, is this is this a good appointment or not? I will I will let you decide, or we'll let the football do the talking from Woking. But they news came out this week that they have appointed Irishman Michael Doyle as their new manager, and his first managerial role. Let's say that I'm on a two and a half year deal now. His previous experience on this is being an assistant manager at Forest Green Rovers. And being in a de- develop, I'm sorry, I can't say that word, developmental role at Portsmouth. What will they bring? Now, who better than to talk about what we think someone will bring into the National League than our very own Luke Walsh? Luke, take it away. Let's hear your opinion on the appointment of Michael Doyle. I think just my thoughts on, of course, Michael Doyle being appointed at Woking. Um, I think it's a perfect time to appoint a new manager just before a lot of transfers are likely to be made. Of course, it's not an official transfer window in the National League. We don't actually have transfer windows, but you do tend to see a lot more business happen um, in the upcoming month. Um, And I think, you know, bringing in a manager like Michael Doyle, who certainly likes to play attractive football, has been at a number of clubs now, not just as a manager, but you know, in, in the backroom team. So he'll have a lot of contacts and, and it's a perfect time to be appointing a manager like himself because working is certainly a side that pro- probably didn't get the recruitment right in the summer based off where they are at the moment, but they still have quite a lot of funds and with a manager like that, he'll be able to attract players, um, his own players, and build build a team that, you know, can improve because, yeah, working certainly underachieving this season. But with a manager now being able to attract his own players, play quite attractive football, you'd like to think they can have a positive second half of the season, maybe a mid-table finish. And then next season's when they push back to where they're wanting to be and aiming for uh, the playoffs. And maybe even with Chesterfield leaving, maybe even a, a title race next season, depending on how uh, Michael Doyle does. But for me perfect time to appoint a new manager and it's something different as well yeah i'm all for it i think it's it's a good appointment for working i i agree look uh, it's not very often i disagree with look i think he's he's usually bang on with his opinions in football especially in the national league he even for me knows it better than anyone that i've and i've met so i agree I think Doyle's going to be a good appointment and I think we will we'll see some good transfer activity from Woking going forward because they are a club with funds there. Look, thank you once again for uh, providing your opinion on that one. We will hear from Luke later on, so there's a little bit of an insight to a game I'm going to talk about later on. Now, what I'm going to do just now is I am going to cut to an ad break on this. So, introducing our sponsors this week. And we are back in the room. Thank you once again to our lovely sponsors and advertising partners. We appreciate every single one of you. Thank you very much once again for that. 
excited to listen to see who we have this week coming in. Now, coming back into the show, we are talking about league leaders, Chesterfield, who travelled all the way up to Hartlepool, my club. So, Pools host the Spyrites. Now, everyone's only really expecting one result here after the first time of this fixture round this season. In the league, it saw Chesterfield win 5-0 against Hartlepool. And Hartlepool lost key man, Anthony Mancini, for some way still out now. Some fans were hopeful he would make his return to the bench and it would really kind of instill a bit more morale, a bit of fan morale, because he's he's a phenomenal player and he was a very, very key player and key to how Hartlepool played in the very early stages of the season before he picked up his injury. But it wasn't to be. Now, I, I think if circumstances were different in the National League and they had the same substitute allowance and the number of players that were allowed to be on the bench as you get in the Premier League, the EFL and the FA Cup. I think he would have been a named substitute on a bench of seven. However, the National League only allows a bench of five and for three subs to be made. So this was probably a huge contributing factor to Mancini not being named You can only really, in these circumstances, have players on the bench who can really feature in the game if they need to and probably have a substitute keeper on the bench. We'll come to that later on. But yeah, I think it was just too much of a risk to name the Frenchman after such a long time out through injury. Now, Hartlepool did threaten in the really, really early stages of the game. Manny Disarui, he missed a sitter. Uh, it was such a crucial a crucial opportunity to take the lead. And it would have gave Hartlepool a bit of a, an insulin shot and to, to be able to push forward, see if they could grab something out of the game after losing the first game 5-0, but it, it wasn't to be. And five minutes into the match, Chesterfield went ahead and scored the only goal of the game through Dobra. Now, from what I've seen of it, Chesterfield, they were, they were pretty happy to hold on to the lead through the game. They, they, from what I caught, they didn't really press on too many times. There was a disallowed goal for a bit of a weird offside decision. Make your own mind how that works out. But if you head over to our Twitter page, at non-league, look, you will be able to see it's been tweeted out by ourselves. And that has, it, it's a bit questionable. It probably should have been 2-0. I, I don't get how that went offside from a corner kick. But yeah, allow yourself to make your own opinions about that. But Disarui missed a second sitter on this one. Now, me as a Hartlepool fan, I feel that we deserved at least a point out of that game. I said I had a feeling that we might have gotten something out of the game, but it wasn't to be. I do think it's a point dropped in tough, tough games coming up for Hartlepool over the festive period. You've got Wheelstone, who are always a difficult outfit, and then we've got a double header against Oldham, the return of Mike Fondop to Victoria Park. You just know what's going to happen. It's written in the stars. He's going to have a stormer. He's going to put on a show. He's going to score a fucking hat-trick. Here we go. I've said it. Fondop's going to score at Victoria Park. Yeah. Anyway, we we move on to the next game. This is definitely going to be the shortest podcast I have ever done on National League. Look, coming in already well under 30 minutes. Ad break. One feature done, coming into a second feature game 
we've got about three minutes here on this game. It is Gateshead nil, Halifax two. Now, this was the early kickoff of the game uh, of the weekend. It is straight back over to my good friend Luke Walsh. Look, let's have a chat about what happened at Gateshead versus Halifax. Just my reaction to the Gateshead versus Halifax match. I did make the journey up um, on Saturday with the Shaman all the way up to Gateshead. Um, of course, going into the game, I think, as everyone were, we were probably desperate for a result, maybe. We'd just been knocked out of the FA Trophy. Some fans might be happy with that. Some fans will probably be a, a, bit, a bit upset because you know we, we wanted to win go back to back and win the FA Trophy again. Um, for me, I, I see it as a positive. We can now focus on the league. Um, so going into the game, yeah, we were desperate for a result. And of course, you look at the recent results of when we were, you know, lost in the last minute to Aldershot. We conceded late to Fylde. We definitely, it was crucial that, that we got a result from this game um, because, you know, if, you, if you're thinking about the playoff. Race and, and us wanting to be seen as a team that can compete for the playoffs, then you've got to start picking up points. You can't be dropping points to other playoff rivals like Aldershot and losing games and then dropping points to sides down there and expect to still be in the playoff race come the new year. Um, I think basically how the game started was it were very cagey. Gates had kept the majority of the ball, not doing much with it. They are very stubborn um, with the way that they like to play. They play that slow build-up, possession-based football. Some people are for it, some people aren't. If you're winning and, and you know, you're know you winning in a game and it's effective, you're going to say, I, I couldn't really care how we play. But when you know, you're know you losing games, I can imagine the Gateshead fan base being in uproar um, when you're seeing that because they're so stubborn. As we saw, it was KJ. It needed something special to, for someone to take the lead. And, you know, Kane Thompson-Sommers for us produced... That special something with his strike on the edge of the box to, to make us go 1-0 up. Um, but Gates, are, like I mentioned about them being stubborn, they still it still was very slow from them. I don't think the pitch conditions helped at all in their favour more so because it was quite a poor pitch. And when you're trying to play possession football, it kind of wrecks your style of play, basically. Um, so, yeah, of, of course, you know, we go, go 1-0 up. I were never in any fear that they were going to get an equaliser. We felt quite comfortable defensively. You know, we're very hard to break down. It's what we're known for. And then the second half, I will give Gates a credit. They did come out a little bit. And that was when we just caught them on the break with Ali. And, and it certainly was another good goal. And I think overall, the two goals were very good. The match probably wasn't for the neutral. But from a Halifax perspective, we've gone there. We've got the job done. It's a bit of a smash and grab. We've got the result. And and that's what we needed. Three points away at Gateshead, you, you can't complain with with that at all. Um, I think from Gateshead's perspective, they've got some tough games coming up now. Chesterfield, Oldham, York, who will be a side that we're spending a lot of money in January as well. So, yeah, maybe a bit of di a bit of a difficult time coming up for Gateshead. But from a Halifax perspective, I'm I'm over the moon with that result. And he certainly should be over the moon with that result. That result puts Halifax one point outside the playoff positions. They, they again, after a really tough season last season, after losing Pete Wilde, 
they really are on a bit of a resurgence. They seem to have found their feet again, I think it's fair to say. I, I, I think Luke would agree with us, and I think if Aaron was here as well, he would he would more than agree. It's great to see Halifax climbing up to be a, a, a playoff challenger again, and I, I've got no doubt that they'll be in and about that race come the end of the season, and I'd really like to see them make it. If Halifax got promoted, it would be phenomenal to see another another Northern team in League 2. I think it's always good to have that representation there. A shame for me as a Hartlepool fan, because I think we'll still be in the National League this season, to lose a Northern team and to have teams like Sutton and Forest Green coming in to make the the, the, the National League very, very Southern. Again, it's, it's harder for your your Northern teams to make that journey down. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to see Halifax go up, and they've got a great stadium to be able to look to go into League 2 with and they're, I believe they're fully set up to be successful and, and lead to a very similar to who you see Barrow are at the moment so that, that wouldn't surprise me now a team that we have spoke about quite a lot on this podcast now I don't think we can go without mentioning this game due to the situation and what happened so to wrap up this week I'm going to talk about Southend versus Bromley. Finish Southend 1, Bromley 2. But it's not really the result that I want to talk about here. It's the way that Southend were forced to set up. I mean, they've lost so many players this this last while, even loaned out one of their players this week, and they could only name one substitute on the bench. Which, oh God, you just know something bad's going to happen when you name one substitute on the bench and it, it wasn't even an outfield player. Sorry, it wasn't even a, it was an outfield player or it wasn't a goalkeeper that they named. So again, you just know it now. I said it before the game and if I said it, someone else has said it. It's got disaster written all over it. And guess what? It happened. 60th, around the 60th minute, experienced keeper David Martin went down with an injury to his ribs and he had to get subbed off. I mean, it just puts you at a disadvantage straight away just due to the regulations in the National League, the embargo that they have because of takeover not going through. It just seems to be, other than getting, fighting against the odds, things just seem to be going wrong again for Southend. They're, they're fighting a losing battle once again. But Scott, uh, Gus Scott Morris, he found himself being the chosen one to go in goals for the remainder of the game. I mean, the, the pressure was kind of off them. They were already 2 0 down. They're down to 10 men because of an injury. And uh, it, it just, it just, well, they brought on, they brought someone on. But you say down to 10 men when you have an outfield player in goals, really. But he kept himself a clean sheet. At that he's, he kept he kept the the two goals there for them that they didn't concede anymore. So I think that's a success for them. But they pushed on. Uh, they they didn't let it phase them. They'd done South End things and they scored again against a team that's really difficult to break down in Bromley. So I think absolute kudos to South End for what they done. The, the performance they put in from what they had available was nothing short of phenomenal, and. That was echoed by their manager, Kevin Mayer, who, again, I think has done an absolutely stellar job this season. And 
he could be looked at as a manager for a higher league team, but if he stays at South End, then great on him. He went on to say that there's different manners of losing games. He says, it's a tough one to take today because I'm so proud of the players. Their effort isn't a surprise. When things are thrown against them, they keep going and going. That's exactly what I said. They just don't know how to stop. They have a never-say-die mentality there at Southend, which any club would be absolutely proud for their players to have, and the fans should be proud of the effort that they put in. I mean, in addition to the outfield player going and goal, they only had one substitute, mostly down to the transfer embargo. I'm on the very limited resources. Mayor added, we can't take much more. Something's got to change. You look at what the players and the staff have done, and for me, it's papering over what's going on. You can't go into a game with one sub, but that's the situation that we're in. Now, I had a little bit more news come in as well regarding South End. So they've been given permission to register their under 19s, and they can now bring in a few players as long as the ones that are coming in are on less money than the ones that have left. So hopefully this week, if possible, for Southend, they do not find themselves in the position where they only have to name one sub. Now, how the National League and Vanarama, and stuff to do with Vanarama, the other subs, how the National League would not allow them to postpone a game like this, for me, it's criminal. For me, that is a player safety issue. That is it. You look at what's happened in the Premier League with the lad that collapsed with a cardiac arrest. You cannot only you cannot have a team with twelve players playing a match. This game should not have went ahead. This game should have been postponed. National League, you need to have a long hard look at yourself and just purely on the basis of player safety alone, not let things like this happen again. Postpone as many games as they need until they're able to field at least a full bench. That's what I say to it. Anyway, I've not really got anything else left to say after that. This has been a different experience for me, so thank you very much for anyone who's stayed on throughout the full length of this podcast. I, I genuinely appreciate every single one of you. If you like it, don't forget, drop us a little rating down on Spotify. I'm pointing down at the bottom of the screen. I don't know why, because if you're on Spotify, you can't, you can't see us rate us five stars, anything less than that. It's just not acceptable. Don't forget to go and listen to my sister podcasts, Championship League One, League Two. They have all dropped as well today at 6 a.m. So if you've listened to this one, get your other ones queued up now while I'm rambling away in my little outro. If you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to like the video, subscribe to the channel, hit the little bell so you're notified when any new videos go up or when we go live for our breakdown. Follow us on all of our socials, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, whatever the hell else we might be on. We're on, if it's there, we're generally on it. Maybe not threads. Who uses threads? Does anyone actually use threads these days? Anyway, I think I filled it up, off, and up enough of your time today. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. We will be back in the new year. Have yourselves a merry little Christmas and a great new year when it comes. Much love to you all and your family, everyone. We have been, look, Sports Media.